Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms, and we're turning to Psalms 32, Psalms 32, and we're going to read the first five verses of Psalms. This is one of David's greatest Psalms, and uh, oh, how a blessing that he shares with us here today in the Word of God. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? Now notice how he starts. Blessed. I uh, reminded of what Andrew was sharing with us earlier. Of the blessings that God has given to us. And that every one of us are blessed. And we are blessed more than we even realize we're blessed. We're blessed. Listen what he says. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And whose spirit... There is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groanings all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Father, thank you for your special word. Thank you for the way that it speaks to our hearts, how it convicts us and challenges us and comforts us. Today, dear Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit of God to move among us, that He will have that freedom, and that there will be no hindrance of whatsoever within this building. We bind the forces of evil in the name of Jesus. And we pray that the Holy Spirit may go up and down the aisles of this church and search every heart and to remind them of God's forgiveness and cleansing. Lord, today, fill us with your spirit, anoint us with your power, and may Christ be honored and glorified through all that will be said and done today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There is one thing that I believe that it's true about every single person that is here today. And that is that you want to be happy. I don't think that there's a single person in this building could say, my heart's desire is to be unhappy. (laughs) Now, I have met a lot of unhappy people, but that was not their desire to be unhappy. But because of circumstances and situations They have created an environment within their life 
that has brought about unhappiness. I find it interesting that through the word of God that it speaks about being happy. I heard about a little girl one time. She was talking to her mother and she says, Mom, she said, uh, I noticed something that you have gray hair that's starting to come into your hair. And said, uh, why is that? And she said, oh, sweetie. She says, it's because every time you do something that makes me unhappy, there is a hair that grows white. She thought for a moment, and she said, well, why is it then? Grandmother's hair is totally white. If that is the evidence, we all would have gray hair. But the Bible talks about happiness. And I'm reminded in the scriptures as the Bible refers to us of the importance of blessed is the man whose sins have been forgiven. There was a uh, psychiatrist by the name of Mirth and Myers. In their book, Happiness is a Choice, they said this. Listen to this. A majority of human beings do not have inner peace and joy. If most people were honest, they would have to admit that deep down they're not really happy. You cannot beg, borrow, or steal happiness. Happiness is something that we all earnestly desire. You say, well, pastor, well then, how can you have happiness? How can you be happy? Next several weeks, we are going to look at the phrase, blessed is the man. We started last Sunday, and we talked about blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And that word blessed is... It means more than recipient of being a recipient of blessings. It means happiness. Happy is a man whose sins and transgressions have been forgiven. Happiness is a man who fears the Lord. Eighteen different times the word happy is found in the Old Testament where it's used as Happy is the man. I'm reminded in Psalms 146, verse 5. Listen to this passage of Scripture. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob. For his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Happy. We come now today to Psalms 32. Now, the background of this story is found over in 1 Samuel as we began to realize and be reminded of that experience of David and Bathsheba. We're reminded of the time that uh, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and even went as far as committing second-degree murder to her husband, Uriah. And for Many, many months, he was what was known as a very unhappy man because of his sins. But now we come to Psalms 32. 
And we're finding that he is not an unhappy man, but he is a happy man. Listen to what the Bible says. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. He is coming before us today and saying, I want you to know I am a happy man. For my sins have been forgiven. And they have been washed and cleansed and covered. And there will no longer be upon my account. Kyle Yates, in his commentary on the book of Psalms, he wrote this. David has something come into his life that has awakened the joy bells and they are ringing with reckless abandon. I can see David as he had been a miserable, miserable person for many months because of sin. But now he comes and there... He is saying that the joy bells of heaven is ringing in my heart. And I am rejoicing and I am a happy, happy man. I wonder today if I'm talking to some people today that are unhappy. And they're unhappy because they have never dealt with what is known as a sin that has come into their life. Oh, it don't necessarily have to be adultery. It doesn't necessarily have to mean something as tragic as second-degree murder. But, oh, it could be other sins that we allow to slip into our lives. And as it slips into our lives, it literally robs us from the joy and the happiness of God. And we find ourselves as a miserable, miserable person. We're going to look here in this passage of Scripture of a man that has been forgiven by God. We're going to look at this Scripture of where God has supernaturally reached down and taken that sin away from the life of David. Three things I want you to notice as you study with me this passage of Scripture here today. First of all, I want you to notice as David speaks, he talks about the sin that was covered. Look with me in verse 3. He says, when I kept silent. When I kept silence. In other words, there had been a time that he had attempted to cover his sins. There was a time in his life where he had said, I'm not going to tell man or God what I have done. And he's tried to cover it. I wonder how many times today we find people today that are doing everything in their power to cover their tracks. To cover up what they have tried to attempt or what they have done and they have attempted to try to cover it up. Instead of hiding that sin, I want you to understand God wants you to uncover that sin. And confess it before the Lord. But I want you to notice here with me of how he defines the committing of that sin. Look what he says there in verse verse 1. He uses three words to define that sin. There in verse 1, 
he used the word transgression. You might want to underline that word. And then he used the word sin. You might want to underline that word. And then in verse 2, look there, he uses the word iniquity. Each of these gives us a definition of what sin is all about. A lot of people don't understand what sin is. And so what David does, he defines it before us as we study the passage of Scripture. First of all, he says that transgression. Transgression there in verse 1. That speaks of revolt. That speaks of rebellion. In other words, you've come to a point and place that you know what is right, but you did what was wrong anyway. Mankind, whether they're saved or lost, has a conscience. And they know when they come to an age of accountability what's right and what is wrong. And when transgression is taking place in a person's life, is that when that person has revolted against that very thing that has told them what was right. And they did what was wrong. David did that. When David had committed that affair with Bathsheba, he knew what he did, what he had did, what he had done was wrong. And therefore, he did it anyway. But go a step further. Notice that word sin there in verse 1. That means to miss the mark. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the mark that God has set before us. And yet, we have sinned and we've missed the mark. God has set a standard. And we have fallen below that standard. And then thirdly, you'll notice there in verse 2, that word iniquity. That word iniquity literally means distorted. Are crooked. It literally means that you've taken a path and you have chosen morally and spiritually and you've distorted that path. You've went the wrong way. You went down the wrong path. And so, what, did he, what has he done? He has shared with us here what transgressions is. He shared with us what sin is. He has shared with us of what iniquity is. But not only does David talk with us today uh, as he defines the committing of the sin, but he describes the consequences of sin. Friend, I want you to understand, there are consequences in sin. There's nothing that you can do that's outside the will of God that there's not consequences And friend, if you think you can get by with sin, friend, you are dead wrong. Especially if you're a child of God. You say, well, I don't understand it. I know I'm saved, but God never uh, bothers me when I'm sin. Well, my friend, the problem is you're probably not saved. You need to get saved, and the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God in your heart will begin to chasten and convict you of your sin. 
But there's always consequences to sin. Look what the Bible says in verse 2. David talks about those consequences. He says, my bones are waxed old through my roaring all the day long. All the day long. In other words, he was constantly being haunted and hounded by conviction. The hound dogs of heaven of conviction was upon his trail and was convicting him. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Not only the haunting of sin and the heaviness of sin, but the hand of chastisement was upon him and that his soul had become a burden of thirst. David says, as he describes that barrenness in his sin, there in verse 4, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. His soul has become dry and parched as a parched land. John Randolph, when he was dying, the only thing he could say on his deathbed was remorse. Remorse. And his last closing words was remorse. I believe David could have written in capital letters, R-E-M-O-R-S-E, remorse. Because of what sin had done into his life. But then David was awakened to something that literally changed his life forever. And that was forgiveness. As terrible as the sin was, he experienced the grace of God like you could never imagine. So he not only talked about the sin that was, that was covered, but then in verse 5, he talks about the sin that was confessed. Look what he says in verse 5. The Bible says in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto you, and my iniquity have I not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. That reminds me of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. David experienced mercy because he began to confess his sins. Now, I want you to notice what David did. David didn't come with pride, but he came with humility. He comes before a holy God, humbled, and with great, great humility knowing that it was by the grace of God that he had the privilege of coming before the Lord. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity have I not hidden. No more rebellion in the life of David. No more trying to cover up his sins. No more trying to make an excuse for his sins. This is a twin passage of Psalms 51. 
And in Psalms 51, in verse 17, David says these words, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. He comes before the Lord with his sins and he says, I come with a broken and a contrite heart. Asking you, begging you, pleading with you for forgiveness and cleansing. He comes with great humility. I remember one time there was a lady came forward one Sunday morning and she was popping her chewing gum as she was walking down the aisle and she comes up before me. She said, I want to confess my sins before the Lord, but I don't know what to confess. I said, well, I'll tell you what you do. Why don't you get down here and just guess at it? And guess what? She guessed right the first time. My friend, when a person's really serious about sin, there will be humility. There will be a contrite heart. David comes before the Lord with brokenness. He comes with confession. The word acknowledge there in verse 5 is an interesting word. It means to know. In fact, what you can do is the same word confess as 1 John 1, 9. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is just. He is ready to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. All of our unrighteousness. Oh, my friend, the word confess literally means to say the same thing. It literally means that I agree with you. In other words, I don't call it a sickness, but I call it a sin. I don't call it weakness, but I call it wickedness. I call it what you call it, Lord. I acknowledge it before the Lord for what you describe and call it. In other words, there's no playing of games. There's no ignoring of the seriousness of this hour. But David comes and he falls upon his knees and he is with brokenness. He's with a contrite heart and he's coming and he is bringing his sins before the Lord. So he was not only humble, but he was also honest. Before God. The Bible says in verse 5. I will confess. My transgressions. Unto the Lord. I will confess. That word confess has several meanings. But in this passage of scripture. Literally it means. To hold out. Many times when we are worshiping the Lord. We'll lift up our hands. 
And we're lifting up our hands as saying, I acknowledge you and I am praising you and I'm giving you all that I have. But also lifting up one's hands is confession. David is lifting up his sin before the Lord and lifting up his sin. He is bowing upon his knees with humbleness, but he's lifting up his sins before the Lord. And he says, Lord, I bring these sins before you. And I ask you to take away these sins and to forgive me and to cleanse me. It's not playing around. Heard about this German man feeling guilty for um, something that he had done. And he went to confession one day. And he says, Father, I ask that you'll bless me for I feel like I've done a terrible thing. And the priest says, well, what have you done? He says, I have been harboring a refugee from the Germans. He says, well, son, he said, you don't need to feel bad about that. That's an honorable thing that you are trying to rescue this refugee from uh, the Germans. He says, well, he said, father... He said, I must confess. He said, I'd been charging him five marks a week for me harboring. He says, well, he said, uh, you shouldn't have done that, but God will bless you and God will forgive you. And the guy says, well, thank you, Father. And he gets ready to leave and he says, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I've got one more question. Should I tell him that the war is over by now? What I'm trying to say, many times we try to play games with the Lord, do we not? Sometimes we don't completely honest with Him. And we make excuses. So we've talked about the sin that was covered. And we've talked about the sin that was confessed. What about the sin that was cleansed? Go back and look at verse 5 again. He says, I acknowledge my sin unto you. My iniquity have I not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. You have forgiven me. The moment that David confessed his sins was the very moment God cleansed him from his sins. My friend, I want you to understand, you don't come before the Lord today and confess your sins and have to wait 90 days to get a a clean bill of forgiveness. But the very moment that I come with honesty and humility and a contrite heart, God will forgive me. Listen what the Bible says in verses 1 and 2. 
Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Now remember what the word blessed means. The word blessed means not just a recipient of blessings from God, but the word blessed means happiness. Happiness is the man who sins is forgiven. In other words, it means an intense happiness. It is something that is overwhelming. It is something that is beyond explanation. David has experienced this. And he has intense happiness. The joy bells of heaven is ringing in his heart. The joy bells of heaven is reminding him of cleansing and purity and holiness. His bones are no longer roaring. No longer is his soul in a bout with the Lord, but he's now rejoicing. There's a grave in New York, I understand outside of New York City, in one of the cemeteries. And on the tombstone, it has one word. It doesn't have the name of the person who was buried there. It doesn't have the date of his birth. It doesn't have the date of his death. It just has one word, and the word is forgiven. Forgiven. That's all that matters. It's forgiven. Forgiven. My friend, I once read an article, an article that entitled 10 Things That You Will Never Regret. I want you to look at this article. Number one, showing kindness to an aged person. Number two, destroying a letter written in anger. Number three, offering an apology that will save a friendship. Number four, stopping a scandal that was ruining a reputation. Number five, helping a boy or girl find themselves. Number six, taking time to show consideration to parents, friends, and brothers and sisters. Number seven, refraining from gossip when others around you like it. Number eight, refusing to do a thing which is wrong, although others do it. Number nine, living according to your convictions. Number ten, accepting the judgment of God on any question. I'd like to add number eleven, being forgiven of your sins. I believe that tops all the other ten. Being forgiven... Of your sins. What happens when a person is forgiven? What happens when a person has a heart of contrition and humbleness? A heart of honesty. How do I get that happiness 
that David is talking about here. How can I experience that? Well, he tells us. There in verse 9, he says that his transgressions was forgiven. Forgiven means to be lifted, carried away. It's like in the Old Testament, the day of the atonement. That once a year, the high priest would come and he would take what was known as a scapegoat. And there he would place upon that scapegoat all the sins of Israel. And then they would lead that scapegoat out into the wilderness and set him loose. Never, ever, ever, ever again seeing that scapegoat are those sins because those sins have been forgotten and they have been taken away. That's what David is talking about. That is what he is reminding us here, that a sin that was carried, carried away, away, away. Oh, my friend, when you come before the Lord, he says, I take those sins and I cast them as far as from the east to the west. I take those sins and he says, I cast them into the deepest sea to bring them before you. Never again. That word transgression means to be carried away in the context of that verse. But not only that sin is to, was carried, but that sin was covered. Notice what David says in verse 1. He speaks about his sin being covered. The word covered means concealed. It literally means to be hidden. It means to be removed. That's interesting. Proverbs 28 talks about that. That as I come and I uncover my sins before the Lord, He covers those sins. He covers those sins with His blood. As if I have never sinned before. Isn't that amazing? That I have a heart that is filled with sin, but yet because of the convicting hand of God and because of the brokenness that is upon my soul, I come before the Lord and I lay those sins before Him at that hour that He then takes those sins and He covers them with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! That's enough to get you excited about. To think that God, in His amazing grace, that what I uncovered, He covers. And He cleanses me. As if, think about this, I had never sinned. Boy, that don't make you happy. I don't know what will. Carried those sins away. He covers my sin. But He counsels my sin. Now, I think it's interesting. It says, A man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity. That word impute. That is a 
financial term. In other words, that when I sinned, it was placed upon my account. And that one day, I'm going to have to give an account for all those sins. But oh, when I come and I confess my sins, guess what he does? He erases it. And he takes it off of my account. That when I come before the judgment seat of Christ one day, and he is looking over my life, he doesn't see my sin because he's taking it off of my account. Set free. Paid him for. Oh my. No wonder. David was such a happy man. How can you not be happy when you know that the Lord has taken your sins? He's carried them away. How can you not be happy when you know the Lord has covered your sins? How can you not be happy when you know that the Lord has counseled the dead? My, my, my. Happy is the man whose transgressions has been forgiven. What about you, sir? What about you, ma'am? Are you happy? Do you find yourself in the middle of the night tossing back and forth and there's something just not right? Something just not right. And the hound dogs of heaven is on your trail. And he's trying to get your attention. Aren't you tired of that? Aren't you tired? Can't you see what David is saying? That this passage of Scripture, you can write your name right beside of it. Happy is you whose transgressions is forgiven. I challenge you today to listen to the sweet, sweet, sweet Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as He is counseling you this very moment. Come before His holy presence. Come with humility. Come with honesty. And He will cover you. He will counsel your sins. And He will carry your sins away. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your your blessed word. What a passage of Scripture that every one of us can rejoice and every one of us can sign our name beside this passage of scripture happy is the man but Lord you're willing to do that but you're not willing to do that unless we meet your standard and that is confession that is humility That is contrition.
So, Lord, right now, may the Holy Spirit of God will search every heart. And I pray that men and women will come to this altar and make things right with you. Lord, there may be someone here today that is lost. And Lord, they can't find that happiness. Oh, what a delight when they come and they experience Jesus in their heart. What a joy of having a relationship with Him. Lord, there may be some here today that need to come and just pray for a loved one that they know that is out in sin and knowing good and well they're not going to be happy until they come back before you. Maybe a wife, maybe a husband, maybe a mom, maybe a dad, maybe a son or a daughter. Lord, there may be some here today that needs to move their membership and be a part of the fellowship of this church. God, give them the boldness and the peace of God as you lead them in making that decision. In Jesus we pray.